we describe our journey in that way because what we want to do is get the sense that it is ongoing and that we go together. And so we have different points that we like to highlight. And we had a landmark last week when we did a child dedication. That is one of our landmarks. A landmark is a time when we stop, get out of the car, and take a photo. And we have different reasons to do that, different places that we try to emphasize. And today, we have a different landmark that we're going to emphasize. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about somebody in front of their back. Instead of talking about them behind their back, we're going to talk about them when they're here so they can hear us. And what I wanted to do was to capture some of this essence of what you might say about someone at their funeral before their funeral so they actually get to hear it instead of us holding back before. So today is a, uh, a landmark called Heartbreak Survivor. And a Heartbreak Survivor for us is someone who has faced something incredibly difficult and challenging. We give them some time after that. We watch. We see how they're doing. And then we tell them that what we've seen them do was good. And we want to publicly recognize them. So today, I want to uh, talk to you about a guy named Clyde, Clyde Eberlin. Clyde um, just recently celebrated uh, the third anniversary of his wife's death. And that is a heartbreaking thing. His life, not the same. And at that point, it is easy to decide, I will not. I'm mad. I'm disillusioned. I'm lonely. I, I don't know exactly how to go forward. I don't know if I did everything that I could have done. And there was so much that you face in that time. And what we wanted to say is that we have been watching Clyde since he came to Into One. And we have been watching the way that he has engaged and put himself out and put himself under the care of Christ. And it's something that is admirable. It is something that needs to be said. We need examples of people who are doing hard things in a real world, in real time. Not a moment in time. And we're not saying that he's perfect. No one is perfect, right? But he's done a good job in this, and we want to recognize that. So I'm going to ask that Clyde would come up, and I'm going to ask the steering committee members that are here, come on up, and we're going to present Clyde with the Heartbreak Survivor Landmark certificate. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid. I especially didn't want you guys to leave yet because I want you to, I want you to be part of this. You're an, you're an incredibly important part of our family, but I want you to see what it looks like for someone to face something hard to get back up and to keep going. And not just to keep going at the same, but to have marked improvement in the way that they can relate. It is possible. We need more examples of this. So, Clyde, come off to the side. So, Clyde. <laughs> uh, this is our steering committee. And we, as a, as a group, as a church, we want to recognize, we want to commend to you the acts of uh, this man who has faced something that's challenging. He's not the only one. We're just highlighting him today. Um, the, the, his, his desire to engage with Jesus has been remarkable. And it's been not just last week. It's been month after month. 
as he has been engaging and trying, how will I adjust my life to surrender greater to Jesus? How can I use my life in such a way that he will be lifted up, that, that people will point to him and say, Jesus is the reason. He has been doing a great job of that. And so we wanted to recognize him with that. And Matt, would you present him with this official certificate of our appreciation? And we're going to pray a blessing on him. Thank you. you. You don't have to stay standing, but it's important to recognize, to be thankful, to be grateful, and to appreciate. Well done, Clyde. Let us pray a blessing on him. You may be seated. Kind Father, I thank you for the way that you are at work in this man, but in this church also. Would you continue to work and engage in us and through us, that your spirit would continue to transform our hearts and our minds into the likeness of Christ, that we would become more like you, and that you would take whatever we face, and you would use it and transform that to be good, even though it didn't start as good, that you would work through us and in us, that we would be a light into this dark world, that we would be a vision of hope to people who have none, that we would be able to point to a Jesus that is so beautiful that people would be able to uh, look past all of, the, uh, all of the foibles of God's people, all the places that we drop the ball and we don't measure up. May they see you as we earnestly pursue you. God, we pray your blessing upon Clyde and his family. I pray that you will continue to use him as a man of God in his household, in the extended family, and in this church. God, we pray your blessing upon him at work, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in all the different ways that he relies and depends on you. Bless him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Clyde. All right, we have a second landmark that we need to do today, and this is a totally different one. We don't have a certificate for this one. But this is a new thing for us. This is another spot that we're going to mark. We saw an open door, and we're going to go through it. This open door is a little bit nerve-wracking, okay? I'll be honest, because this is going to be a landmark for us as a church. We are looking at, we have told you this was coming in, in the past, we are looking at, at hiring a second staff member. And the reason that we want to do that is because we feel that we're being limited by the... Uh, by my instability, uh, by my inability to, to get all the things done that we would like to do. We would love to improve our communication and following up and doing some administration. And we, uh, we, we need another person for our team. So we are looking forward to a start date in January, and we wanted to introduce to you our new administration and communications person. Please come, Sarah Walmsley. Now, Sarah has asked to speak for about a half an hour straight, so, <laughs> Sarah, so glad. This has been a process. We're nervous. You're nervous. But it's going to be our choice. Together. 
We're trusting that God provides all that we need beyond all that we can ask and even imagine. We see a door that's there, and it has been our practice. It is in our DNA. When God opens a door for us, we go through. And so that's what we're going to do. I'd like to ask Dan if you would uh, pray for Sarah in this new role and for us as a church. God, we just lift up Sarah to you. God, as she uh, takes a step, I pray that her faith would be rewarded and that, um, that her family would be blessed. Mm-hmm. God, that our church would be blessed. Yes, please. And as we become even more visible in our community, um, I pray that the face that we present uh, would be welcoming, uh, would be loving, that everybody that comes through these doors um, would have that sense that these are not people that are pretending to be okay. In fact, these are people that are actively not okay, but we're here together anyways, chasing after you. Mm -hmm. God, thank you so much for every single person in this room, for the kids that uh, just show us, you know, what what childlike faith looks like. So God, I pray that we would uh, follow in that. Pray that uh, as Sarah transitions into this role, that um, she would be excited uh, that you would continue to just do amazing things, God. We've seen in our history uh, as a church, you opened some pretty big windows, some pretty big doors uh, for us to go through. God, from finding a building, from making the decision to meet on Sunday mornings to finding a building um, to rent, to providing a church building uh, for us to call home. Um, God, in a place where people can see it and experience it. God, I pray that as we continue to uh, develop as a church that we would just be a beacon of light in our town and that Sarah would be a huge part of that. Thank you so much for bringing her to us, um, for her family, uh, all of the um, amazing things that the Walmsleys bring to our church. God, we're so thankful for them. Mm -hmm. Thank you. God, we just pray a blessing uh, over into one and over Sarah uh, and Tony and their family in particular. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Welcome aboard. Who says kids can't? Snack. Turn my microphone on. There we go. Hey, uh, so everybody, let's, uh, we're going to go right into week number three of the Ghosts of Christmas Past. Uh, and if you haven't been around for the other parts, this is just where you're jumping in. Just let me tell you what we've been doing. We are talking about some things that have happened in our past that have followed us. They, they haunt us. They have paralyzed us from living the life that God would really want us to live. 
So today's message, I hope, will speak to some people uh, in a way that could aid in some internal healing when it comes to your identity, who you really are. So to help you with that, we provided um, a section on our website, into1.ca, that you could log into right now with the latest message notes. And there you can follow along. Uh, The outline is there, and there's a place for you to uh, make your own notes as well. Then at the end, you have the option to email yourself either just the outline or the outline plus your notes. Uh, We just thought that that might be kind of helpful for you. Um, And if you're more of a hands-on kind of person, we have a printed handout, you can take some notes in there. We find that sometimes the notes just help us to engage a little bit more, to think at a a, a deeper level. So today we're going to talk about uh, overcoming the labels that bind, overcoming those labels that we often wrongly believe and we, uh, we take into heart. I want to talk to you first of all about the power of words. Is there anybody here who can experience, who can testify to the power of words from a first-hand perspective? Words have the power to create. Words have the power to heal. Words have the power to shape. They have the, the power to motivate. And on the negative side, though, words have the power to hurt, right? Words have the power to wound, Words have the power to discourage. Words have the power to destroy. Some of us probably grew up hearing that a little playground chant. And see if you can say it with me. It starts with the word sticks, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That must be the least accurate thing that anybody has ever said in the history of the world. Words may never break your arm, and words might never give you a fat lip, but words can really, really hurt, and they can cripple, and they, and, and then they go into your thought life, and, and they linger in our minds, and they're played back for a long, long time. Time. Some of you to this day might still recall something said to you as a child. King Solomon, wisest guy who ever, not a wise guy, the wisest man who ever lived, received much of his wisdom and he recorded it down into these short, bite sized statements that we call Proverbs. And some smarty pants decided to label his collection of Proverbs as the book of. Proverbs, right? Genius, right? It's the kind of title I could write. We're going to jump to uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 18 and start at verse 21. And it tells us there that the tongue or our words has the power of life and death. Words can build, words can destroy. When you hear something over and over and over again, it has, uh, it's not hard for that to actually become what you believe to be true. Words have the shaping power in our lives. And I've made it a life goal to try to be intentionally encouraging, to be giving specific, clear, thoughtful statements of encouragement and appreciation. And so when I die, it is my hope that that would be part of my remembered legacy. I've got a long way to go, but it's the flavor of speech that I am interested in. And I have touchstone memories of people saying encouraging things to me. Things that sat a little deeper than good work or nice job, right? Something that was specific and it was clear and it sunk 
in, and it, it became food for me. And that food empowered me to overcome so much of what I've had to overcome in my life. God worked in partnership with those people to speak into my life and to create strong foundation points. There is a power in speaking to yourself out loud. And that's why I have provided you with live in-church examples through our morning declarations and through our times of tell yourself the truth. You need your ears to hear your voice speak truth and encouragement. It is transformative to you. So words are such a powerful shaping force in our lives. But the truth is, reality here is that that shaping force is sometimes earthquake-like. That's the way it hits our psyche. Oh, sure, it shapes us all, right? It's like, boom, there's a sledgehammer. And words are powerful in dark ways. They, they sit, they linger, they stick, they cling. So let's call it what it really is. There are many of you, many of us, many of me, there's just one of me, but I'm here. We actually struggle in the present because of labels that we have picked up in the past. We struggle in this moment now because of labels that we have wrongly owned from things that happened in the past. Maybe, maybe somebody said something to you. They, they called you something, right? They belittled you. They, uh, they made you feel less than. And perhaps you've, you've gone and you've internalized that label now. Maybe, maybe something you did even, even years and years ago, you just can't seem to get the guilt to go away. And internally, you own the action. And you connect your identity to something that you did. Maybe you, maybe you heard something about you, something about you on the outside, right? And you took that and you internalized it and you made it about something about you on the inside. And I don't know what your label might be, but I can bet that there is certainly someone in this room today who has owned the label average. You're an average student. You're an average athlete. You're never going to stand out. You're never going to amount to much at all. You know what? You're just insecure. Well, you're hot-headed. You lose your cool all the time. But you're so overly sensitive. You're annoying. You're pathetic. You know, whatever it might be. You're, you're, you're always bad at relationships. You, you, you're just too much. Whatever it is that you are, there's just too much of it. Just dial it back some, okay? And you, and you own that. And, and you, you own that idea. Some of you might say that my family... My family is just always dysfunctional. Um, you, you put that label on your family. And my family is broken. There will never, ever be a time at, that we will ever have a happy Christmas. And, and you're never going to have deep or, or intimate relationships. Let's be honest. Sometimes when we internalize a negative label, there are times when that label might have some truth to it. All right? If someone says, hey, you're lazy. Well, it's possible that when you own that label, you might also just not be the most motivated person the world's ever seen, right? Or they say, you're a hothead. And the truth is, you might actually lose your temper more than the average person. There might be some truth to the label that you have picked up, the label that you have embraced. But here's what I hope that you will understand. 
even when there's truth in the label. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later, right? So let me just say that again. Take a moment to let that one sink inside and feel that, believe that, embrace that, take a step towards what this can mean. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. God's power is bigger than your past. His grace is stronger than any label that anyone could ever put on you. And if you've embraced some hurtful, negative label, and it's, it's been paralyzing you, it holds you back, it holds you down, it tells you that you are less than. If you've embraced that type of a label today, I want to encourage you to name it something different. Pretty complicated, right? Name it something different. I want to show you a story. We're going to go back into the Old Testament, uh, the book of Genesis, the chapter 35. You know what? I bet a bunch of you have never even heard this story before. And it's beautiful because it's kind of a love story. So we need a little bit of background music. We'll fog the lens a little bit there. It's about a boy named Jacob and about a girl named Rachel. And they met one day when she was taking care of sheep. Ah, the beauty of it all. He saw her and he's like, oh, he really liked what he saw. And evidently, Rachel was very beautiful. She also had a sister named Leah. And interestingly enough, Leah is described in, the, in, the, in this volume of historical manuscripts that we label as the Bible. This is what they say. Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And then it talked about her sister and said, her sister had weak eyes. How tough is that, right? That's just harsh. So if you don't read the Bible, you have no idea what's going on in there, right? Rachel's lovely in form and figure and her sister has a great personality, right? That's exactly what the Hebrew says. All right, not exactly what the Hebrew says, but that's the idea. That's the point. They changed the emphasis there. So Jacob, he's all into Rachel and not so much the sister. So he goes to the dad and he says, I want to marry your daughter, Rachel. And he says, fair enough. Work for me seven years. And Jacob's like, done deal, man. And so seven years, he works. When at the end of the seven years, uh, the dad plays a little game of switcheroo. Maybe some of you parents are planning this one as well later on. Instead of getting the figure, he got the weak eyes. And at the end of the ceremony, he's like, wait, 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 wait. That wasn't the deal. I thought I was getting the shapely girl. And the father said, work seven more years and she's all yours. And so Jacob did it without complaining. 14 years he works to marry his dream girl. Then what do they want? Like everyone else, they want to have a nice little house, a picket fence, a couple of kids, a dog. The problem is all they had was a dog. For years, they couldn't conceive. They were, they were desperate and broken. Rachel was just totally beside herself. She is comparing to everyone that she can see. My sister, well, she's got all these kids, and we, you know, everybody I know is pregnant. And they just look at each other and they get pregnant. We've tried everything. They couldn't conceive. 
And finally, after years of this agony, they give birth. And then then she says, well, we really want another one. And so they conceive a second time. And tragically, the second pregnancy doesn't end well for Rachel. I want to show you how the story goes, okay? So we're going to see when you should name something, something different, all right? So book of Genesis, chapter 35, jumping in at verse 16. This is a sad story. Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. This description appears twice in the story. So we we don't know exactly what's going on here, but but in that day and age, you couldn't just call in for an emergency C-section. She's in big, big trouble. This birth is not going well. Her life is in imminent danger. Verse 17, it says, she was having great difficulty. There it is again. She was having great difficulty in childbirth, and then the midwife said to her, and this is supposed to comfort her. Okay, in our culture, it doesn't sound comforting at all, but in hers, this is supposed to be a good thing. She says, don't despair, for you have another son. Verse 18, just tragic. As Rachel breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Ben-Yamin, Benjamin. Think about this. As she breathed her last, she held her son and she said, your name is Ben-Oni. Rachel named her son one thing, but, her, but the father named him something else. So let's say, I want to say it again. This is important. Rachel named her son one thing. The father named him something else. And names are so important, all right? Anytime you're naming your children, you should really look up uh, to see what the names mean. There is, there's value in, in understanding that. She named her son Ben-Oni. What does Ben stand for? Ben means son. Oni means sorrow. She named her child son of my sorrow, which is completely, absolutely understandable. Why? What's going to happen? She's never going to see this baby grow up. She's never going to get to feed her son, never going to get him see, uh, to, to watch him learn to walk, never going to get him here to, to, to first time you hear her say, Mama. Never going to get to see him grow up. And in that moment, she names him what is very true for her, and that is son of my sorrow. Imagine she's holding her son. Well, she, well, she's bleeding and, and, and who knows what, dying. And she says, this is son of my sorrow. And when you, when you think about it, Rachel wasn't the only one who's grieving, right? Who else would be grieving in this? Well, how about Mr. I worked 14 years for the woman that I love? This is my best friend. She's dying in the midst of childbirth. He's got to be hurting like mad. But when his wife, whom he treasured, wanted to name their son, son of my sorrow, he said, no, 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 no. What may be true in this moment won't be true forever. What may be true in this moment won't be true forever. The father took what was and he named it something different. And if you don't like the label you've been given, 
Name it something different. Take what your enemy called you and name it something different. She says, son of my sorrow. He says, no, we're going to call him something else. And Jacob actually has had a a bunch of previous experience with renaming. So if you know uh, some of the stories, there's this one time when he's wrestling with uh, some places it says an angel, some places he says he's wrestling with God. So we'll say, Jacob's wrestling with God, and he endures in that wrestling throughout the night. And at the end of the night, he says, bless me, for I survived this. Bless me. Come on. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. You got to do it, you got to do it. Bless me, bless me. Come on, bless me. And so God looks at him and he says, your name was Jacob, which means deceiver. But now he says, I'm going to call you Israel, which means my God prevails. Jacob, who is now Israel, no longer called deceiver, looks around and he says, well, if we're going to be renaming things anyways, I'm going to rename this place Peniel, which means face of God, because I have seen the face of God and I have lived. And if you look through scripture, you're going to find a couple more stories where Jacob sees something and calls it something else. Even though it had one name, he had the power to redefine what something was and call it something else. His wife said, this is son of my sorrow. He says, no, no, I'm going to call you Benjamin, Benjamin, which means son of my right hand, son of my right hand. And if you know anything about the Old Testament or or, uh, ancient history or names or history, this sort of stuff, uh, the right hand is the symbol, the sign of blessing. What the enemy meant for harm, I'm going to find good. What others call a curse, I'm going to call it a blessing. What others call sorrow, I'm going to call it a blessing from God. Now, you might want to write this part down because I think this part really is very important. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. You think about the things that have come there, right? You do get to choose what you call it. Let me say it again. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. There's all kinds of stories that we have. But you do get to decide what you're going to call it. It may look like son of my sorrow. It feels sometimes like son of my sorrow. But I choose to call it the son of my right hand. If there is a label that you've embraced that you don't like, name it something else. Call it something different. Remember that God's power is bigger than your past. What may be true of you now doesn't have to be true of you later. Call it something else. So our buddy Clyde that we talked about in front of his back, he lost his wife three years ago, label widower, changed his life immeasurably. But Clyde has been deciding and declaring deciding to follow, deciding to trust, deciding to pursue Jesus. He has been declaring that Jesus is enough, that, that in fact Clyde plus Jesus is more than enough. He's been declaring that Jesus will be his focus. He has been declaring by his allegiance, by showing up hours before church to pray for you, to pray for us, 
to pray that God would be free to move in this place, to bless in this place, praying that God would move and transform people. And as Clyde has been in earnest pursuit of Jesus, he is being transformed. He is not the same person who arrived on our doorstep years ago. Well done again, Clyde. You hear stories sometimes of things that happen to other people, and you always kind of figure, you know what, that happens to other people. It's never going to be me. Well, I can tell you recently, it wasn't someone else. It was me. For the last month or so, I have been receiving a series of threatening emails from a hacker. He or she, I don't know which, the hacker told me they had my email and my password and that they had hacked deep into my system and that they had gained access to all of my contacts. I didn't really take it seriously at first. We hear about this sort of thing all the time. I was then threatened multiple times that if I do not pay 999 euro in Bitcoin, that the character assassination would begin. They told me that they would send pictures that would be blended together of me, supposedly captured from my webcam, pictures of me mixed together with some nasty porn. They would take these pictures and they would send them to everyone I know. All of my contacts. So all my work contacts, all my family contacts, all my friend contacts, all my into one contacts. Now, that was setting up to be some dramatic new labels. What would happen? What would you think if you were sent those emails? How would you respond? Now, I need to tell you that we have clear evidence that there has been no breach to my system, okay? Uh, none of my files have been compromised. None of my content has been accessed. None of my cameras have been accessed. None of my contacts have been copied, okay? Apparently, a number of years ago, there was a data breach at a number of uh, large online service providers, stuff like uh, eBay, Amazon, and some of their subsidiaries. And my email and password were lifted in that data breach. Fortunately, I had only ever used that email and uh, password combination once, and that was about five years ago. But as time went by, in the in-between times, I was growing in nervousness. It doesn't matter whether or not the information is false. It, it doesn't matter if it was all faked for money. That kind of thing would be a very hard label to wash off. So what would that do to you? What if you had been given those emails from this guy, this girl? What would that do to my relationships with you if you had received what he threatened to send? How would we be? And you know what happened? As I was working this out, I was praying and I, and I was gaining a deep peace about whatever would happen. And you might disagree with me on this, and you're free to do that. But I was being moved to a place where I felt that I could trust you with my future that I could trust you with my identity, that I could trust you with my labels. Did you know what that did? It increased my trust and my commitment and my devotion to Jesus. 
I realized once again, he's in charge of my everything from then to now to then again. You know what else it was doing? It was drawing me closer to you. You don't even have any idea that this is happening. And yet that's what it was doing. Your enemy can take something and mean it for harm, and our good God can take the same thing and use it for good. Now, I'm still growing into my identity here and with you, right? I'm not growing up spiritually. We're not done growing up spiritually. I'm still in process, and we will remain in process until the day that we die. But I think you're going to grow into it. I think that many of us here right now need to realize that God is calling us to more, to something beyond where you are that you're going to need to grow into. And to do that, you need to realize that you're special, that you are transformed, you are new, you are a difference maker, you are a child of God. You may not believe it yet, but over time, you'll grow into it. And God's going to renew your mind. It may seem right now too lofty, too good, but you'll embrace it, and you'll grow into it. And you've been owning a label for way too long. Someone may have called you uh, that, and, and it might have been true in that moment, but it's not true forever. This is not son of my sorrow. This is a blessing. This is the son of my right hand. I'm going to take what it is, I believe God wants it to be something else. I'll call it something else, and I'll grow into believing it over time. I'm going to confess what God says is true about me. Don't embrace the lie. You're undependable. You're a cheater. You're a loser. You're a failure. No. You are forgiven. You are transformed and being transformed. You are made new. You are healed by the power and the grace of Jesus. You are loved. You are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of your own testimony. Name it something different. You may have been saying, you know, right now, this, this is just a bad season. I'm in, I'm in a tough season right now. Who feeling the weight of this hard time and no, actually in this season, I am being conformed to the image and the likeness of Christ. I'm being shaped as I'm learning to persevere and to have faith and to trust in Jesus. When it looks like I'm being hurt, actually I'm being transformed from the inside. My spiritual roots are growing deeper. It may look like winter, but spring is coming. I believe it. I can feel it. God is doing a divine work in me. You might say, you know what? I feel so alone right now. This season, ah, oh, Christmas, I dread this season for, for all the people that I've lost, all the people that aren't going to be there. And I feel hurt and I feel alone and I feel, no, actually, I'm drawing closer to Christ in this season. He is my strength. In him, I will find my identity because he is my comfort. I've never felt so much of the presence of God, and so I draw near to him, and he draws near to me. And whenever your enemy calls you something that you don't like, you name it something different. You name it something different. You don't get to choose what happens to you, but you do get to choose what you call it, what you tell other people it is, the way you speak about it. 
perspective matters here. Your perspective matters incredibly. And the reality is that you have an enemy that hates you. His mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And let me tell you what really matters to the heart of God. You. You really matter to the heart of God. And our enemy is a liar. He's the father of lies. What he wants to do is to tell you stuff over and over and over and over again that you're not. You're not good enough. You're pathetic. You're never going to amount to anything. You can't make a difference after what you did. Man, if they really know you, and on and on and on. Those are the ghosts of Christmas past. But we serve the Savior of Christmas. We serve He who came into this world born of a virgin, born of a virgin and inheriting a sin nature, never ever sinned Himself, who loved us as we were and as we are, died so that we could be forgiven, but then rose again from the dead so that anyone who calls on His name is a new creation in Christ because the old is gone. Your old is gone. The power no longer holds you because the old is gone and the new has come. The old is gone and the new has come. My God is working all things to good for those whom he loves and are called according to his purpose. You can't choose what comes into your life, but you can choose what you call it. And if you don't like the label that you've been given, call it something else. Kind Father, today I pray that by the power of your son Jesus, you would bring healing. God, break and rewrite the labels that we have had for so long, for so many of us, those labels that keep us in bondage. God, we pray that you would move us into a place of freedom, for that's what you have said you would do. It is for freedom that we have been set free, not to be bound up again by things that we put back on ourselves. We can choose to name things as they are. So God, I pray that for my friends that are here today, you would provide a blessing of insight of the way that you feel about them and the freedom that you long to bring to them. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of hope and of peace. Today, may we walk away and leave behind these things that have held us in bondage for so long. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You are beloved by your Father in heaven. He gave everything that he had so that you would know that he loved you before you ever did anything to earn it. That's the relationship that he wants you to know that you can have. Without earning, he loves you. But there is a place for forgiveness and peace as well. As you go this week, be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for joining and celebrating.